Hello, Annie Mack here. This is the new podcast and the reason why it exists is because I can't remember anything. I seem to have lost huge swathes of my life. It stressed me out to the point where I went and spoke to a memory expert and she said I had to quiz my family and friends and get them to share their memories of my life with me so that I can relive my life, so I can remember Every episode of this podcast begins with one of their memories and then we use those memories to inform the wider discussions which is big fun conversations with people that I love and people that I admire. This is Finding Annie. Now let's head back to the year 1994 and over to one of my oldest and best friends, Susan. I was looking back at my diary from autumn 1994, uh, which describes an incident that happened between the two of us uh, as 16-year-olds. And it starts off uh, just before the half term in October 1994. And it says, your parents are going away for the weekend. And so I was going to live with you for the weekend. And it says, we're trying to figure out all the lies we're going to tell. So we were obviously planning to get up to mischief. And on that weekend, we ended up going up to a party at Justin Tennant's house. And I kissed a boy who I'd liked. And it then goes on to describe how embarrassed I was to see him and all the normal stuff. And then three weeks later, we were at a party after a play. And I think it was up at someone's house near Volunteer. I can kind of remember the party. And you kissed the same boy. And there's this entry that talks about how much I hated boys, I hated you, I hated myself. And all the confusion and anger and sadness and jealousy, I suppose, that I felt. All the gossip and the speculation going around. And then on the 24th of November, a few days later... There's a little note stuck into my diary and it's in your handwriting. And it says, Susan, you're more important to me than any effing girl or boyfriend I have on this earth. I've been trying to tell you this for so lots of those long, Annie. Oh, the pain hearing that. Just the idea that I had forgotten something that affected my best friend so hugely in her life like as a teenager how huge that would have been how horrible that would have been how painful that would have been what a muppet what what was I doing what was I thinking doing that I have no memory of it again some memories aren't so nice to be uh, relived love 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 what a weird complicated joyous painful roller coaster ride it is. I've had my fair share of boyfriends, but I'm currently in a relationship which is just over 10 years old. I met my now husband when I was 30 and he was 23. And uh, we started going out when he was 24, I think. And I didn't really know what it was, but I was weirdly kind of magnetically drawn to him. And I didn't really understand what he said a lot of the time. 
and uh, he was really young, so I didn't really ever think that it could be a serious thing. And when we started falling in love, it was actually him that had to persuade me that the age thing was just not a, not an issue. Like, it was not and should not be an issue because he didn't care. And if he didn't care, I shouldn't care. But I kept doing, you know, maths in my head of like, OK, well, if you're 33, that means I'm going to be 40. And when you're 53, I'm going to be 60. Oh, I'm getting really freaked out about stuff like that. Turns out, didn't matter. He was right. Age has not been remotely a problem. And we have two children together. Got married last year, nine years in. And uh, it's really nice. I think maybe one of the reasons why we are compatible is because both of us have very similar backgrounds in terms of what we've been exposed to when it comes to love. Both of us are really lucky to have parents that are still together and still very much in love. My dad is also younger than my mum by four years and pretty much had love at first sight and have been with each other ever since. T's mum and dad also so in love, spend all their time together. Both of us are pretty laid back people and both of us are quite unromantic. But I guess the main thing that draws us together is a very similar sense of humour and appreciation of silliness and self-deprecation and laughing at each other and ourselves and life. And we both have similar friends as well, I guess. And the two people that I'm speaking to on today's podcast are very mutual friends. So we have a WhatsApp group and they're called Molly and Mary. They're a beautiful couple who I have kind of known ever since they were a couple and before. I've known one of them, Molly, Molly King, since she was about 15. She works on a music show in Ireland that I present. So I've known her since she was that young and kind of watched her grow up and evolve as a, as a woman and find herself. Mary, who was her girlfriend, I met through Molly and have since become really close with, as has my, my husband T. And they're just wonderful people. And I thought it would be really nice to speak to them in terms of modern love because they are really a product of their generation in that how they met, how their relationship is allowed to exist, how it will evolve. It's all part of living in these days now. So introducing Molly and Mary, a legendary couple who I think you're going to fall in love with as much as I did. Let's start with how, when did you meet, how you met? We met on Tinder. We met on Tinder. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I told you this. <laughs> Where yeah. all We're great love millennials. stories begin. I mean, this is the thing. It's modern love. That's what I want to talk about today oh, yeah, is modern so love. You know, that is modern love. Yeah. So you met on Tinder and then what did you chat and then date? Yeah, so this is such a good um, illustration of how Mary has never changed because we started chatting on uh, Tinder. And like, bear in mind, this was like maybe five minutes into like a chat conversation and mm. I didn't know her at all and then it was like what do you do what do you do and we were both in college at the, in uni at the time and um she was like oh I do medicine and she was, and I was like oh I do law and then it was like pause Mary is typing <laughs> power couple <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, and I was like, this girl's insane. Like, she's mad. I think mental. he thought I was joking. But I, I kind of thought she was joking, joking, but now that I know her now, she totally wasn't joking at all. No, I was 100% serious. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> so funny. Okay, and that was yeah. how many years ago? Nearly five. Three, five, yeah. Three, five years ago. I feel like you've been together forever. Well, it's funny because yeah. I've known, well, I've, I've, I've obviously that. known you, Molly, for a long time, since you were 15 or something. 10 or 11 years. And um, I've known you since you've been going out with Molly. Do you remember the first time you met Mary? No, Because I was thinking about this today, because I was thinking about the podcast. And um, you met Maz because you were doing an AMP in Coco. Yeah. And you were DJing and we got there and Mary hadn't met you, obviously. And you were literally DJing. And yeah. then you were waving and you were like, come on, come on. And they ran out to the stage to talk to you. And you were like, is that the girlfriend? <laughs> and Mary was like hanging in the wings. And then you gave her this massive like, come here, come here. And well, Mary so nice to meet you. And then yeah. she ran out because you were like, come here. And that was really nice. Oh my God. Because so nice you were so that. nice to her. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that was class. Yeah. But I do remember mm-hmm. having a meal with you um, at Oaxaca oh, hang yeah. tight Oaxaca on, on the South Bank in London because mm. we used to see each other sporadically yeah. and that's the thing with you because I, I, I've kind of I feel like and I haven't done this with anyone apart from you I've kind of been friends with you as you've proper grown up and so Oaxaca was like when you was that when you kind of told me that, yeah or did I suggest it no I remember get? this so well yes yeah, so we went to Oaxaca and I was in London for I was interning in Domino record label um, a record label and you were like, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, tell me all your news. And you were like, oh, uh, are you still going out with blah? Your, uh, your boyfriend you used to go out with. And I was like, no. And then it was just like, pause. And you're like, what's going on? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, there's this girl. And then you were like, kind of slowly got it out of me and I was having a meltdown. Yeah. Like still the most, uncom- not uncomfortable conversation, but at the time I was having... I was having a really difficult, like, time, and I was really anxious, and I was having a bit of an identity crisis. And at that time, like, I was pretty much closeted to everyone, most yeah. people, so yeah. you were actually... But only... you were kind of closeted to yourself oh, before yeah. then as well. That's the yeah. interesting thing, is because yeah. I think you, it took someone telling you, mm. babe. Yeah, because you were like, You're it's not... Grant. Yeah. And I was like, is it, though? <laughs> um, but at that time, like, my parents... No, my, I don't think any of my family knew. Or, and I was a, I was away in London, so I felt very isolated because I was away from everyone. But I was kind of dealing with all this stuff. So we, And you were really nice about it, which was... Mm. I still remember that very fondly because mm. you were like, it's Grant. Everything's going to be fine. Who yeah. cares? Blah, blah, blah. And I felt a lot better after that. It was, it was really nice. So you discovered you were gay when you were in college? Nine, eight, 19, 20 something? Yeah, like 20. I don't know. Everyone's, everyone's journey with that stuff is so different. Like, I think a lot of people assume that as a gay person, if you have, it, like, if you've had a prolonged period of time as a heterosexual person, that you're, you were closeted. But I never really felt closeted my whole life up until, the, like, maybe 20. So I wasn't really aware of, uh, like, I wasn't like, I'm gay and pretending not to be. I just mm-hmm. didn't really, I just had no reference point for it. Because, like, yeah. as you grow up... Um, you grew up in a really small rural um, village yeah. in the west of Ireland, like, really, tiny. really tiny. Yeah. yeah, and there was no gay people in my school. There was no gay people in my class. There wasn't... I mean, there like, was probably shitloads, Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. as in, sorry, there was no out gay people in yeah. Ding. I don't it's think same anyone... same with me, and I, grew yeah. up in, and I went to school in the middle of Dublin. Yeah, just at the time, it was it was different. And um, I think if you don't see yourself represented, it's very hard to understand that that's what you are. So it just didn't really occur to me that I would be anything other than, like, a straight person. Mm. Like, that's yeah. just the way you see your life. And then, and then that's, like, you yeah. having to recalibrate all yeah. the... Really? All the... All, all, all your own identity, yeah. which must have been a mad thing to yeah. go, hang on, this I'm not who I thought I yeah. was. Especially as a 19 or 20-year-old, when you're, like, you're doing a lot of, like, 
growing up at a rapid level at that point in your life, or I was anyway. And it really does just like fundamentally change the way you think your mm. life's going to be. Because like, if you see your whole life mapped after you in, in a certain context, like I remember kind of realizing that this was going to be my life and like being really angry and upset about it. And um, just being like, I woke up today a different way than yesterday and like some people are never going to like me or understand me and I can't do nothing to control it mm-hmm. and that was the first time I'd ever felt like um the way I was going to be treated was out of, outside of my control mm-hmm. as a like fairly privileged middle-class white person mm-hmm. like and it was a real shock like mm-hmm. it really was mm-hmm. because you know you don't know how you're going to be treated and you don't know how you're going to be respected or disrespected mm-hmm. and like that's such a seismic change for a young person how did it happen for you mary i mean it was quite similar like mm-hmm. i never felt closeted i just took a while to to realize what was going on in my own head because it was the same thing i didn't see myself represented i went to an all girls school where like there was no one gay mm-hmm. being gay was definitely derogatory like mm-hmm. it was pe- mm-hmm. people used phrases that were homophobic basically mm-hmm. and then it was only when i got into college and started to sort of going out and having experiences that mm. it became much clearer to me and I was like whoa this is a lot better <laughs> <laughs> this is now you're talking I was like this is not like <laughs> so you weren't like you weren't kind of you, it wasn't as tough for you it wasn't as tough for me in my own skin I don't think but yeah. I had a tougher time coming out yeah, yeah. 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 coming out with my, my family took a while to get used to it yeah yeah. Mm. And now you're both out and proud? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so proud. Yeah, very V proud. I am, am V proud. Mary ex- embodies so pride at all times <laughs> of her life. <laughs> like, it's a shock that you don't go to work in a pride flag, you know? I know. I just got a new rainbow light. Oh, <laughs> Can we talk, talking about pride, can mm. we talk about being gay mm. now in this in this in this day and age because I interviewed King Princess who's this amazing artist she's amazing god she's so sick so I interviewed her and um you know she's a she's she's a queer icon Mm. and she talks very openly about how gay the gay communities need gay icons because so much of the gay communities they're kind of really worshipping kind of sing um Mm. sorry straight female pop stars rather than actually gay pop stars so let's get some gay icons in here and she is that I heard that interview and I was like in my kitchen being like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what's interesting about that is you don't often get that as a gay woman today. And what I thought was interesting is I've been interviewing people for fucking donkey's years Mm -hmm. and I've never interviewed a woman who has been so kind of prolific in talking about her sexuality Mm -hmm. and in in a really proud and out way. And I'm wondering, is that something to do with the times that we live in and the generation that she's from where it's just normal? Like it says nothing remotely common controversial about being gay today yeah, yeah. would no, you I agree think so. i absolutely think so i mean when i was growing up people that the icons were people like pink yeah. who's actually straight yeah. but just has short hair yeah. you're like, you know like we can guys, do better <laughs> we can do better guys you know but now you've got like cara delevingne and yeah. kristen stewart and all these people like in all different you know forms of of media representing mm. you know, but even in pop like there's so like look at Janelle Monet or um, yeah, Hayley Kyoko um, like big pop stars yeah. who are either queer identify as gay or whatever but like I do think that in the last couple of years especially in Ireland like we three or four years when was 2015 yeah since the marriage equality the marriage referendum. equality referendum like that was a fairly so let's talk about yeah. that because that that is major mm. yeah you were what age when that happened um, 2015 so three years ago so I was 25 I was 20. 
So you're you're at a point in mm. your you're going out with each other. You're in mm. love. You're you're yeah. at a point in your relationship in your life where you're thinking, I want to be accepted for being in love with Mary mm. or Molly, yeah. mm. um, um, but my country won't won't actually lawfully mm. allow for that to happen. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was, oh, it makes me want to cry now. <laughs> like, we cried so much. We cried like all the, the whole time. time. Everyone did. I mean, it yeah. was the most tumultuous yeah. time. Like, I, I get emotional know. even thinking about I, it. It's like everyone has PTSD from it. Like, yeah, if it a certain just... thing will happen, like, there's a documentary that was made about it, and I can't watch it. Yeah. Like, I, I will never watch it. I can't. Because it's, ju- it's not that it's necessarily sad, it's just so. Um, it's just hard to watch. It just brings back a lot of memories. Like, I was doing my final year exams um, just in the run-up to the um, marriage equality referendum and there was one particular day, I'll never forget it, I was living in Rathmines. In South Dublin. In South Dublin, uh, Dublin 6, and, which is about, like, 15 minutes from Trinity where I was going to college. And I, was, I would cycle down Rathmines Road every day. And I remember cycling to college, doing my work, whatever, cycling home. And then on the way home, um, all of the no side had canvassed all of Rathmines Road. And there was like 30 um, vote no posters. And they had pictures of families being like, these these children deserve a real family and stuff. And I cried all the way home. Like I cried all the way home. And I was by the time I got home, I was like hysterical. My sister Juno was like, what's wrong? And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I couldn't eat. You I know, couldn't I couldn't. Sleep. It just, it was so, like, it was interesting because I was studying law at the time and doing constitutional law while this was happening, which is a really interesting time to be a law student. But um, it brought up a lot of very difficult conversations. And the thing about having a referendum, we're the first people to ever have a referendum on gay marriage, um, the first country. And the reason we had one was not because the constitution specifically said otherwise it was because the state felt that if we did legislate for gay marriage there would be so many court cases of people mm-hmm. fighting the legislation that um it would inevitably end up in a referendum um and i still feel bitter about that <laughs> but uh yeah so it was just yeah it was a difficult time um but like i think we're painting it very negatively Whereas, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the end result was amazing. And, like, the day that the results came out was one of the best days of my life, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, we got matching tattoos that day. <laughs> she always says we got matching tattoos. Um, I, remember, I remember that. I remember being yeah. over here. You were, te- you were oh. texting me. I and, you know, your mum, you, I remember you texting me and you sent you sent me a message that your mum sent you being like, I'm thinking of Molly. And I was, like, crying yeah. in my bedroom just yeah. being like, this is mad. Because that's yeah. the thing. It was kind of an awakening for the whole country, I feel like. So and for was. me, that was the mm. turning point for mm. Ireland really mm. waking up yeah, yeah, to was. being to being a progressive place to live. It's like stepping into the 20th Yeah, percent. and I was yeah. so proud. I was yeah, over yeah. here and I was so proud of Ireland for choosing leaving, the right fucking thing. Leaving in the morning, from getting up in the morning, and I had a pride flag tied around my neck. Yeah. And we were leaving from your godmother's house where we were staying. It was really sunny. You know, which is quite a kind of like, you know, you'd think maybe, oh, it's a conservative area. It's like yeah. a middle-class area. You're walking down the road and people were out because it was a really sunny day. It was yeah. a beautiful day. People were out on their front lawn saying, congratulations. Oh, yeah, just, it was like, crying. People just... stopped their cars in the street to get out and hug us and stuff. Like, everyone it was, was just, just crying crazy. and hugging and it was magical. Yeah, it was definitely the most joyous day I've ever experienced yeah. as an Irish person, yeah, for sure. Like, and did you feel crazy. within that campaign and, mm-hmm. and all around that referendum, did you mm-hmm. then feel part of a community that you'd never kind of... Um, I mean, a bigger community. Like, did you feel people yeah. coming out of the woodwork all around you? 100%, yeah. yeah, and, and even, like, people, for my parents, it was so seismic yeah. because mm-hmm. they thought that me being gay was going to be a hindrance to my life. You know, they thought that this will set you back in your career, this will set you back in your mm-hmm. dreams and your hopes. And then they had, you know, this campaign of seeing 
thousands of other Irish people being gay and being okay mm. and their families being happy about it and fighting for them and it just like opened the floodgates mm. for everyone to realise this is completely fine. Yeah and it did also politicise a generation of Irish people which I think is really valuable like yeah. we've been camp- we've had two referendums now yeah, we've knocked sure. on a lot of doors and like yeah. if you have never knocked on a door um campaigning for something like it's a very valuable thing to you learn so much about mm. yourself and other people mm. like it's I was just thinking about this the other day like it's kind of mad that we banged on people's doors being like are you going to let us get married yeah yeah it's like, like you did yeah. you just yeah. yeah we did Mary came you were living in London you came home and we canvassed um, and Mary remember you tell, tell us some, <laughs> some things you came across doing that um, a few really sad ones and a few great ones like um me and my friend, uh, my best friend Jack, were both campaigning. We knocked on the store um, and it was uh, a young enough family, like a, a man maybe in his mid-30s came out and I knew that they had kids because I could see them through the window. And he was like, I'm not voting and even if I was voting, I'd never vote for you and slam like, the door in our face. And wow. um, I was like, oh my God, you have these really young kids. And, yeah. you know, and like that was hard. But like, then may you have you know, three gay children. Yeah, I was like, good <laughs> luck to you if you ever have a gay. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <do> you know, <laughs> yeah. like sending a gay yeah. curse on his house. Like, yeah. oh my god! But uh, uh, next day, wakes up in his house is like sprinkled with like glitter, glitter everywhere. <laughs> like literally. Like. I, it's it's funny you always remember the bad ones but we had so many good ones mm. you know and like especially older a lot of older people older yeah. women yeah. the main people I, I found that were to be that were really uncomfortable with it were men mm. like I just I don't know why but it just mm. they were really uncomfortable with speaking to it's us because it's a threat to mm. them the idea of women getting together they like but, the idea of women needing them sure. yeah but like I remember you canvassing in Ballsbridge which is like really conservative or like well middle class conservative yeah. area but a lot of older people yeah. and Mary's obsessed with old people Mary yeah. is a geriatrician she is she is an expert <laughs> in old remember people remember when you dropped the doctor thing that old lady oh tell me <laughs> tell me tell me, tell me I like, no, do you not remember um, <laughs> so she, I was on this canvas but you told me about this um, yeah. and Mary I think it was like an old folks there's a lot of old people in Bosbridge yeah, yeah. so it was a very difficult area to canvas and um, Mary knocked on the door and uh, had this like old lady who was like oh I'm not sure and Mary was like well you know, and he's like, what do you do yourself? I'm a doctor. And she was like, oh. <laughs> and, you, and Mary said you could just see the woman being like, a doctor. <laughs> and Mary was like, yes, and all doctors are very pro-gay marriage. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like, just like, and, but also didn't mention that you yourself were a gay person. It was so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. But, um, Kept just, that on the QT. Yeah. Yeah. But you met so many interesting people. Like, it was, it was an amazing It was amazing how a lot of them assumed you weren't gay. Yeah, loads of them did. So m- most of them I found would assume really? that you weren't yeah. gay yeah. and discuss it with you it. as yeah. if you were just canvassing for yeah. it. So then depending on how it was going was whether you wanted to come out to them or not. Yeah. And that, like, coming out never, it always feels like a, a bit of a mm. funny it always catches on your yeah. tongue a little bit. Yeah. You know, even now where you just have to go, oh, do I want to come out or not? Yeah. And then you'd have these moments at the door going, mm, this is going the wrong way. Maybe I'll out myself. To just <laughs> yeah. bring him back on side. We're like, well, actually, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and they suddenly start feeling a bit more uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah. No, that but was it, was, it was an amazing experience. It was such doing a good day. Because, I mean, it was quite emotional putting yourself at these front doors, but yeah. it was incredibly formative, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like, 
we went like that night there was like a massive party in district in district Eight, the oh, yeah. and mother took over the mother is like a big like gay club and um gay promoter in dublin and uh, they took over the whole tivity theater and it was amazing and they played like you sent me videos yeah i remember so texting it was like, it was like one of the most amazing mm, you know they're playing like you know, Jack Khan, Larry yeah. Levan. It was like yeah. gay utopia. It was. Yeah. And Mary... Oh, <laughs> oh my God, wait till you hear what I ordered. Because I wanted to arrange costumes, because I love a good costume. <laughs> so I got made, which are obviously for like hen parties, these like satin kind of robes that say bride to be on the front. Yeah. And then I got like our names on the back. So we both wore these. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Like uh, Mary and Molly. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, during the marriage quality referendum, there were a few really good fundraiser parties as a result. Yeah, like, yeah, I remember yeah. dressing kind of in drag as a groom and me and uh, in Malali DJing as grooms. Like, yeah, you kind of in drag amazing. at this party that Mary and Ali ran called Confetti. Like, it was a very much a coming together, but I do yeah. think, you know, it was tough. It was really tough. It was tough, tough but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, it was totally worth it. Yeah. Of course, of yeah, course. Yeah. And yeah. if it had come in quietly, I think it wouldn't have led to such a mass acceptance. Yeah. Because yeah. it came in so loudly. Like the whole world was watching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the whole world was watching, you know. And it was a super, you know, Catholic, conservative, conservative country. Mm-hmm. has a landslide, you know, approval of, of gays, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But you forget as well as about that you're in these privileged parts of the world there's so many other parts of the world where it's still so far behind even in terms of gay people yeah like we're talking about modern love in our neck of the woods but like I mean there's a lot you know in other countries it's still like most Africans there's still death penalty like when me and when me and Mary like when we go about like booking holidays as an example of what it's like like I would always go on a Lonely Planet have an LGBT section um, to be like can you travel here or not which is useful Yeah. Um, oh, but that's really interesting because people yeah. won't even know like yeah, yeah. You, you, you wouldn't even you think as, as, as a heterosexual person yeah, that you have to have that in yeah. your head like we, I've talked to T about this about Jamaica because I really want to go to Jamaica but like every time I kind of keep looking into it thinking something will have changed but um, and that's no shade to Jamaica necessarily yeah. it's just like well, it's a deeply like I mean not that it's all Jamaican country. I feel like all Jamaicans yeah. are homophobic but it's a deeply homophobic country and like uh, I'd love to go but like I'm not willing to like close myself or to, to go to mm. Jamaica and I'm not willing to be unsafe there and like it is unsafe for us to go there well we also have to know? consider and sometimes most just countries. being two women when you travel yeah. in itself but like it is interesting people don't think about that because like you know, you'll go and be like, can we travel here? Like, most of the Caribbean and most, a lot of Africa, mm. it, it, we would be able to go there if we pretended like we weren't in a relationship. But, like, yeah. other than that, yeah. at the moment, we can't go. The old twin room when you arrive. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Two you know? single beds. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just... But, I mean, I give out about that all the time, but, like, imagine what it's like for gay people who live in those countries, you know? Yeah. They're yeah. so oppressed. Yeah. So, like, so you there's have a lot, to get a, yeah. a healthy There's dose a lot of, of perspective. Yeah. Like, remember when we were in Egypt and they were like, why aren't you married? Like, to men. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> Molly and Mary, you are the best. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, babe. And the big news that you have to know is that since this podcast was recorded, Mary popped the question and they rang me one day before my radio show and told me the news. They were in a hotel in in West Kerry in Ireland, having just got engaged. And um, I like sat in my car 
weeping with joy before my radio show because I was so happy for them seeing Molly's journey seeing how happy Mary makes her and vice versa I just wept they always laugh at it now because they say like you are crying and you're like I have to <laughs> I have to go into uh, to my show now and do back to back with Patrick Topping <laughs> yeah they're getting married so it is the most beautiful happy ending to uh, to those first messages on Tinder all those years ago on the next episode we talk all about my career DJing. Uh, my friend Rachel's going to be providing a memory all about one of my first ever Ibiza gigs. It was like, of all the places I'd seen you play, I think it was probably you kind of coming of age a little bit at that point in your career. And yeah, a really amazing gig to watch. But like, I will never forget the look on your face when I was like, this is the terrace. Oh, God. And then I'm speaking to one of my favourite people in the world of electronic music. His name is Tiga. He's hilarious. He's dry. He's so intelligent. And we really, we really put the world to rights about everything DJing. See you then.